We are wrapping up our sermon series, our Advent sermon series, The Mess and the Miracle. We are going to be in the book of Isaiah this morning looking at a sermon titled Christ Mess as we've talked about the mess that we found ourselves all the way back in the beginning of the world, right? And we've kind of gone through different aspects of that, broken relationships, uh, the mess within ourselves, the mess within our communities, even our churches, that Christ has come to give a new and show a new way. But I want to ask, and if you're new or a guest this morning, I like to ask questions, do a little interacting. I never know what you're going to say, uh, but it's always a good time uh, for the most part. Uh, What is some of your favorite aspects of the Christmas season? Now, I'm going to take off the Advent Jesus Church answers, okay, because I know that's number one for all of you, so I just don't want you all to say that at the same time. What else? What else do we like about the Christmas season? Family, okay? Music, we'll come back to that. Gifts, absolutely, thank you, Joey. Uh, Others, the lights, absolutely. Have you guys all gone to the one in Dyer behind the Stardust Bowl? Do yourself a favor, get there early, but it is unbelievable. Uh, And the one on Monroe here in Munster, he does a really, really good job as well. Others, snow, I reject that, yeah. Others, peace, like peace of food or candy or just peace. The, The world becomes peaceful. Yeah, you all caught that one too, yeah. The world, uh, we might get to that one in a little bit. Others. Makes you think of Bon Ket. That gospel offertory doesn't get an applause, but Bon Ket does? Father, we come to you in this moment. We pray. Wow, okay, Bon Ket. Okay. Not going to say anything. We're going to move past that one. Other people said others. Tradition, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Parties, absolutely. Cooking, okay, over here. Music, right? So we've got two music over here. We're going to, that's really the, the, the bridge to this. We'll get to music in a second. Any others? The candlelight service. Christmas trees. Your mom's cooking. Nobody else's, but your mom's, and I agree with that. I agree with that. What? Wreaths, absolutely. We could go on and on. There's so many things, right? Almost 12 days of Christmas type thing that we could, we could do. No one said Christmas movies. That's uh, Christmas movies, right? So once and for all, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. Amen. That was almost louder than Bonquette. I appreciate that. But Christmas music, we have a couple music fans over here. What do you like about the Christmas music? I think that was Joe and Parker, right? Joellen and Parker. Joellen, what do you like about the Christmas music? Joyful, absolutely. Yeah, like that, that offertory was awesome. What about you? The message, right? The, absolutely. And I think it's interesting. There are so many people that right after, it seems like Halloween, there are stations on the radio that start playing Christmas music. How many people love that? How many people hate that? I'm one of them, yeah. But it's funny that we just kind of, this genre of music comes and plants itself in our lives for Maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's a month, maybe it's all of fall, right, however you want to do it. Does any of you, be honest, really listen to Christmas music after 
January 15th. Why? The message is still good. It's still joyful. Don't we need that in our lives every day? Why don't we do that? Christmas tradition, that our tra- we have been tradition, I'm going to say Christmas conditioning, you'll get psychological about it, right? We've been almost conditioned to listen to this music uh, just during this time of year. Some churches like to get cute and do Christmas in July, and they do something in July because they know it's July and no one's there, and, you know, they're going to do it anyway. Don't worry, we're not going to do that. But we've been conditioned for this. And what's interesting to me is the music, that for a lot of us, you know, when we look on, when we turn the radio on and we hear rocking out to Away in the Manger. You guys rocking out to that in your cars? No. What songs come to mind when you think of Christmas music, right? Umbrella of Grace. I don't expect you guys to all listen to Christian music 24-7, 365, right? Meaning you also listen to it in your sleep. What songs really, when you hear it, you're like, that's the Christmas season, what? Mariah Carey, absolutely. All I want for Christmas is Bonquette, apparently. And so, what else? What other songs that when they come on, they just hit? Trans-Siberian Orchestra, absolutely. White Christmas, Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yes, all of those, right? But when we think about those Christmas songs, what was that one? The, the Last Christmas? That's the song about Revelation. That's a different one. We're going to get to that in the fall. Uh, But understand that there are aspects of those Christmas songs that just, man, things just hit. But I guarantee you Mariah Carey wasn't singing about Jesus. She wasn't, right? I don't know her, but I doubt it. But if we think about all these Christmas songs that when they come on, we're like, that puts us in the Christmas mood. let's, Let's go decorate the tree. Let's go wrap gifts. Let's go do whatever Christmassy things you do. Rarely do they have to do with Jesus. Yet this Christmas season is, should be all about Jesus. Some of you are engaging that like, okay, Pastor Downer, that's still, I like to celebrate. See, you caught that, not Donor, but Downer. Thank you for that. Yeah, the rest of you, catch up. But have nothing to do with Jesus. That they have everything to do with getting gifts, sometimes giving gifts, don't know too many songs about actually giving gifts. But there's a couple, rocking around the Christmas tree, all I want for Christmas, what Christmas means to me. And there's one uh, song, what Christmas means to me. I'm just going to pull a little bit of the lyrics out. Candles burning low, lots of mistletoe, lots of snow and ice everywhere we go. Qu- choir singing carols right outside my door. It's hard not to get wrapped up in that. I hear those lyrics, I just want a, I don't know, a hot cup of hot chocolate and a fire and a Christmas tree and watching whatever Christmas movies, some of ours in the Holland Owner House, No Judgment is Home Alone, and understanding that that it's just this season. And this season means something to us. Yet we're very good at forgetting about this season, probably about January 15th, because we're going to turn into something else. Or that's where it starts to get really cold and we start to really not like this season because of the bitter cold that that we get in the Chicagoland area. But the meaning of Christmas, right, we like to put in these bright lights. We like to put in the stars. We like to put even in Jesus. But let me contend 
that the original idea of Christmas, the original meaning of Jesus coming into the world isn't about lights. It isn't necessarily even about kind of those fuzzy feelings we get. It's actually a lot darker. So let's think about what Christmas would look like if there were no lights, if there were no uh, Christmas carols, right? You didn't have uh, you didn't have the, the story of Scrooge finding his way and all of these things. We didn't have, you know, uh, all, uh, all those Christmas movies that we love. What if all of that went away? What if there were no carols? What if Christmas was just like any other day? How would we, how would we really take that as a culture? I think a lot of the toy companies would really be upset Right, because we're taking probably a lot of re uh, revenue out. Because if we think about it, it is a time during this Christmas season, we're okay with spending a lot of money. What if you were asked to spend a lot of that money in June? Would anybody like, sign me up? No, we, we've gotten it to the point where we just do it all kind of in that one part of the year. But one of the things we have to pull out and we have to engage this morning is that Christmas isn't always about that, that there's actually a darker side to Christmas, and that is the mess that the Israelites found themselves and the world found themselves when Jesus was actually born. Now, I'm not up here to debate what time of the year, the ancient calendars, or anything like that, right? Don't get lost in that, nothing there, Selvitic, that you need to worry about. But understand that Jesus came as a prophecy that wasn't all that joyous as far as what the people were going through. That the people were looking towards something. They were looking for someone to do many different things. And there were many different camps as to what they thought the Messiah, the, the anointed one, was going to do. They saw the Messiah either as prophet, priest, or king. And the thing is, Jesus comes to represent all of that. So let's jump into the, into the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And so one of the things we have to see is that we have, in Isaiah 9, we have, you know what? I think I actually gave the wrong texts. Yep, I'm going to start in 9. I think we can take this one off. Yep, uh, go back really quick. Go to that one. Nope, that's right. I'm wrong. Okay, but there were, uh, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtal. But in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So that's kind of the the the, the intro, if you will. But here's really where I want to go. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of dry darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So there we have this understanding of where we were. There's where the world was. Right? The Israelites were there. They were walking in darkness. They have this understanding that something was coming, but they were not getting it. Hundreds of years since the last prophecy right, that we see about Bethlehem in, in Micah and understand that there is a darkness, there is a void, there is this, this thing that is coming 
something talked about through ages and ages and generations and generations. That there is a darkness. And the funny thing about darkness is if you walk in darkness long enough, you get used to it. I, how many of you have ever been splunking? Yes, that's a real word, right? And splunking is when you go down into a cave and you walk through the caves. And you can get to the point where there's almost 0% natural light, light being able to reflect on anything so we can see it. That's how light works, I think. But you get into the darkness long enough, the darkness becomes the norm. You, your body actually starts to normalize the darkness, which is why if you've ever been in like a dark room for so long and then you go out into the light, you can't just go out and be like, oh, this is great. No, it's almost oppressive, right, how the light is. That the people, the Israelites, they got used to the darkness, the darkness of the understanding that something was coming and what happened. All around them, corruption started to build. The corruption of the Romans, right? The corruption of the temple, of the Jewish people, of the priests and the Levites, the Sadducees. That this understanding that the darkness became the norm, to me, only emphasizes the light and the hope we have in Christmas. The light and the hope we have in the, Christ's, in the Christ child. The people who have walked in the darkness all of a sudden now are going to see a great light. But let me ask a question. We know how the baby comes. We know that story. We sing it. It's called Away in the Manger. We get it. What if the Christ child came in the courts of Herod? What if this child was born in the glory of the temple? I wonder if it would mean the same thing. That there's such an economic juxt juxtaposition that I know us in 2023, almost 2024, can probably resonate with. That if right now, tomorrow, we hear on the news that this baby was born and is sent to be the Messiah overall, I guarantee, I'm going to go out to, on a limb and say 99% of us wouldn't believe it. What makes that very different from when it actually happened? It doesn't. That human skepticism, right, and human cynicism has been around since the fall of man. We see that from the beginning of Genesis 3. That Jesus is coming in such a way that he is going to overturn, he's going to shine a light in all of the areas that we have been comfortable with the darkness. And what is that darkness? That darkness can be defined as your own idolatry. And to me, that's one of the most impactful things that Christmas does, is it shines a light on what I've been worshiping throughout the year. I'm going to let that hang for a minute. Because as we center on the Christ, as we center on the light of the world, tomorrow, hopefully all of you come back and we light the Christ candle. We read, we already read it in the Gospel of John, that light came, the word made flesh, dwelt among us. There was an intentional act of the Savior of the world coming down to be with his people to point to the way of everlasting life. But even John talks about the world saw him but didn't receive him, didn't listen rejected. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. It is so easy for us as a church to think high and lofty, go, yeah, they didn't recognize him at all. 
They rejected what he had to say. Let's be honest. I have a feeling we would be in a very similar place. Why? Because we at times love the darkness. At times we love the ability to hide. We love the ability to think that we are keeping things from other people. I guarantee you in this room today there are secrets. I can make it super awkward and ask all of you to stand up and give your deep, dark secret, and I guarantee no one comes back next week, because that'd be super awkward, because at times we enjoy it. You can see it in the pureness of a child, right? Children that, that learn what lying is, seemingly just kind of out of thin air, and you know, some of you may have had kids that are really good at it. Hopefully you have kids that were not. Right? And as parents, it's a lot easier when your kid's bad at lying, right? Because it's a lot easier to figure it out. But this idea of darkness, this idea of walking in darkness. Notice it didn't say the darkness came and they stopped and they waited. That story would be very, very different. If the Israelites saw, okay, we're just going to sit and wait, we're going to wait until he comes. But they got used to it. They walked in it. They lived in it. And the darkness became a part of who they were. God's chosen people. But they weren't so perfect. They weren't always the light. They had darkness within them. And so we see this hope. We see this light described for us as to what it actually means. Those who have dwelt in the land of deep, deep darkness, on them the light is shown. The light guides, the light protects, but the light also uncovers and exposes. I think about in those movies where someone's in the, in the uh, interrogation room, right? Or maybe some of you use this as your parenting tactics when you're sitting down trying to get the truth. You put a heat lamp up and you shine it in the kid's face. Where were you on this day? Maybe you don't. But I think about it in the movies, that for some reason that light shone and all of a sudden the truth, they, they tell the truth. Right? You see it in the movies. All of a sudden the detective shines the light and now they just, they just, they just, they, they plead all of their guilt. Like what is that light? That the light not only shines, but the light exposes. And we see, as we continue, that you have multiplied the nation. You have increased their joy. What I love about this is the light is reminding them of how he has been at work, even amidst the darkness. So think about the last year of your life. I'll think about mine. In those pits that you may have walked through where you felt God very vacant. You felt God very estranged almost. Understanding that it's never God that walks away. It's our understanding of God and, our, and what we perceive as the presence of God in our lives. That we understand that that area of darkness, when the light comes, it exposes that. It exposes maybe how far we have walked away. But when the light shines, it also shows where God has been and will continue to be working. But I think we miss that. I think we miss when the Lord exposes something and it, it's sometimes we feel like we're exposed and we have, to, we have to seek forgiveness and it's all about what we've done wrong. Sometimes the light is shown to show where God has been working. 
No, he is the light of the world, right? That is Jesus. We know in our lives he is working even in those valleys of life. And I know for a fact some of you are going through those. And one of the greatest perspectives we can get as believers is in those valleys, in the non-Christmas times, if you will, we have the perspective that God is still at work. That's a little bit of that light shining. That that light of Christmas is coming in every day of the year. But that light's come to do something. It's caused to increase our joy. As with the joy of the hardest, it's caused us to be glad And as we continue, go on to verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. In the darkness, there has been work. That work is being done. That the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, is still at work. The kingdom of God is active every day. It's not just Christmas, right? It's not just the week of Easter. Yes, though, that's when we see a lot of churches filled is during those two holidays. We need to recognize that the light is shining always. And what is the light doing? Bringing justice, bringing mercy, bringing us to a place of humility, of understanding that the world is not about us. For the yoke of the burden, the staff of the shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken For every boot of the tampering warrior in a battle tumult and every garden rolled in blood will be burned as fuel of the fire. That is a declaration, my friends, a declaration that Christmas means something, that the light of Christmas is there to remind us of where he's also been at work. But that first Christmas, right, if you're following the story of the Bible, Right? I, I think about it when you remember those Indiana Jones movies when he's traveling. You see the plane hit certain cities and then go off and then hit a certain city and go off. And remember, there's only four of them. That fourth one we reject. You think about the story of the believer, the story of Christ, the story of God's people is coming to a point where now the trajectory is going to be different. The trajectory is going to mean something far more The trajectory is now salvation in human form. Salvation fully God, fully man, coming down to show us the way. Sometimes I wish we could get a glimpse personally, intentionally, of what that first Christmas was. But let me ask, the guy that went to the the market every other day, did he not go to the market after Jesus was born? No, he did. Did, did the, the wars still happen that were going to happen? They did. Did the temple still have all the good, the bad, and the ugly in it? They did. It's not like the minute that that child is born and breathed his first breath that everything got better. Because Jesus was pointing to something. He was pointing to reveal himself. We see it throughout scriptures. It's almost like this angst as he gets older, right? We see that with a wedding at Cana. A woman, he says to his mom, my time is not yet come. There is a timing to all of this that in God's perfect timing is meeting with each and every one of you to change the trajectory of your life. I had the honor of sitting with a friend and a friend's family this week as a loved one changed the trajectory of her life. That she was going one way and recognized Christ as Messiah, now anew, and now her life is different. 
Her life is changed. The trajectory of her life completely turned upside down. Well, pastor, as you talk about it this way, then why didn't he come as a king? Why didn't he come as a conquering hero or some kind of, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, just kind of like a, like a, I don't know, like Superman or some kind of superhero? Why didn't he come in like we read about him at, in the book of Revelation? Because that wasn't his plan. Because that was not what was prophesied. Because, in my opinion, the gospel according to Pastor Jim, he came in the purest form. Because if he would have come as an adult, there would have been political uh, ties to that. There would have been financial ties to that, ecclesiastical or the church ties to that. Because there were already people doing that. There were already little M messiahs going, I am the one to come. I am the one to come. Guess what? No, they weren't. Oh, that's crazy. We don't have any of that today. Yeah, we do. People that think they can read this in such a way that they know when the world's going to end. And they get a bunch of people to follow them. And they get a bunch of money. He decides to come in such a way that I think not only turns heads, makes us scratch our head, make us curious and wonder, makes us maybe even disappointed. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Wow. For unto us a child is born. There's a collective understanding that Jesus is born for all of us. I remember when both, all three of my, not both, I have three, uh, when all three boys were born, right? We didn't say this. But it was, it was a gift for Carrie and I, for our family, that our family expanded. At no time did I think, oh, my church family expanded. We were down in Crown Point at First CRC, like, oh, the church family expanded. Oh, this is great. No, it was very personal. That's not this. Though it's personal, it's for the world, for unto us. Now, the Israelites read it as them, but as we know now with Jesus, that he was coming to bring salvation, for unto us a child is born, a son is now being given to us. And I love how Isaiah puts this, right? One of the weeping prophets, right? This understanding of, of speaking into a system that will want to kill it, to kill him and it. The government shall be upon his shoulders, that on the shoulders of a crying baby, the government will be radically changed. The life we know now will not be the life that will be because of this baby. And the government will be on his shoulders. So when anything has to do with the government, it's all about the title, right? It's all about the title. I have a couple of friends, who, you, know, you know, Cindy Durnell, her husband was elected as a state senator. Our good friend Mike, who comes to church every once in a while, he's a, he's a house of representatives. Or you have the president or the president-elect. It's all about these titles. It's all about, at, you know, these titles should mean something, right? Back in the day, people cared if you had the word reverend before your name. Now, not so much. But understand that we have titles. We love that. Have you ever been corrected by a doctor? Hi, this is my friend Steve. No, that's Dr. Steve. There's a reason. It's been earned. That we have these things. We enjoy these things in the world. Look at the, the corporate ladder climb. 
right? If you're, if you're trying to get that next job, it's because it's a title. A higher title sometimes means a pay raise. All of those things until you get to the top. CEO, CFO, president of the organization, whatever it is. I love how Isaiah speaks right to us today. The government will be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Why? Because we need counsel. That people are lost and they need an opportunity to speak out the crazy and for us to make sense and perspective of our lives. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I don't know, I think that's kind of the trump card, isn't it? But in a world that recognized other gods in a far more thematic and maybe more artistic way than we do, do now, I mean, I think we still have those. You, technology, money, fame, all of those things, those are gods, lowercase g. Almighty God, everlasting Father, that he is the Father to the fatherless. Everlasting that we have this understanding that his, this love and this, this power and authority is never going to end. And this is him as a baby. He hasn't even grown up and talked yet. We'll get there. Prince of Peace. Counselor, God, Father, Prince. Prophet, Priest, and King. That is the Christ child. That's why it makes a difference. So he has this title, right? In the world today, we earn that. Rich, you were a superintendent of a school system, right? For how many years? Eight. Superintendent, that's, that's a big deal, right? That, that's, high, that's probably the highest you can get in an educational system. And understanding that, that he earned that, someone recognized that he was given that title. That was something derived, given to him. This is what he was born with. He was born with these titles. He was born with this identity. He was, poor, he was born with this understanding that this is what he would be named. This is how he would be distinguished from everybody else. But then he was going to do something. Of the increase of the government and the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Nowhere in there does it say, with him, all of my days will be good days. With him, all of my wishes will be granted. He's not a genie. He's not an ATM. He is the prince of peace that he was going to come and change everything. That nothing was going to stay the same because it couldn't. Because when the light comes into the world, a light that the darkness cannot snuff out, that means something. But as I land the plane this Christmas Eve, what's your January 16 gonna look like? What's your February 1 gonna look like? Are you going to think about the light? Are you going to think about, you know, Almighty God, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace? Because the one thing we know about the darkness, it's not dumb. That that many times I think Satan gives us these weeks. 
He gives the church these weeks. Oh, believe me, he's still very active. But maybe, just maybe, he goes, all right, we'll give them till, yeah, we'll give them till the middle of January because they're going to forget about all this. This, the, all these feelings, all these emotions, all these traditions, all of these family times, these gifts, the singing, the candles, all of this light, all of this joy, right? Or this hope and love and joy and peace. All of this is on the front of our mind. But maybe Satan's going, ah, just wait. Let's give him this time. We'll hit him with the darkness again in January. Doesn't work that way, friends. Isaiah tells us it's never going to work that way again. That darkness can never overcome the light. God's coming into your mess. God is coming into my mess to shine a light, to expose what needs to be exposed, to fulfill what needs to be fulfilled, to guide what needs to be guided, to console what needs to be consoled, to have an authority of of Almighty God in it, the everlasting Father to maybe restore those relationships, and finally for all of us. And I raise my hand first and foremost, will be the battle for our anxiety. That the Prince of Peace will come. Paul will further understand this peace that passes our understanding. And I think that peace is one of the greatest gifts that we get at Christmas. But guess what? We're going to get it on January 26th, January, or December 26th, December 27th, December 28th, and so on until we're with peace in the flesh. That is something we get. That is something that is given to us in this Christ child. Tomorrow we're going to look at it in another different way. But sit in that today, friends. Enjoy the traditions. Enjoy the holidays. There is nothing wrong with it. But understand that that counsel and that might, that everlasting love and relationship and that peace is for us is for the church every day of our lives. Let's pray.